Welcome to Pardes Daily, where you get your daily dose of Torah with Pardes faculty. This time, Pardes is bringing Pesach to you. Let's dive in. Hi, this is Rachel Berkovitz coming to you from Jerusalem. This is Unit 3, where we're learning through the Mishnayot of Masachet Sachim. Mishnah 3 starts with the following. It's going to bring us the view of Rabbi Yehuda and then the view of the Chachamim, the general majority view, regarding this checking that we've been learning about and when and how you need to do it. Rabbi Yehuda Omer, Bodkim or Abasar, Uba Abasar Shacharit, Uba Sha'at Habiur. We, in our first Mishnah, learned that we're supposed to check in the evening of the 14th. Rabbi Yehuda now adds to that. He says, we check the Chametz, right? on the evening of the 14th, and then he has the letter Vav, which I'm going to at the moment translate as and, and on the 14th in the morning, and at the hour when we need to eradicate or destroy or get rid of the chametz. Now, in a moment, the Mishnah is going to expand on that there is a moment when we have to eradicate and get rid of the chametz, and we're going to explain that a lot more, and what time that is the next Mishnah is going to define. So at the moment, it sounds like Rabbi Yehuda thinks that I can't be satisfied just with one checking. Possibly in relation to the Mishnah we saw before, he is concerned if a rat brought something more, if there was something that I missed, if uh, a situation changed. And he wants us to check a total of three times, if I read that vav as an and, right? And then it would be sort of like at the beginning of the evening, at the beginning of the morning, and that once again, at the last moment before I have to make sure that there isn't completely any chametz, because, and this view of Rabbi Yehuda sort of emphasized something that's a little bit ironic that you might feel when you're doing this experience. You have to clean up your whole house from, for chametz. You do a check in the evening, but you're actually still allowed to have chametz in the morning. And you're still allowed actually to even eat chametz, right? So far, by the way, the Mishnah hasn't talking about not eating chametz. It's just checking for it and getting rid of it. But if you don't have any of it, you're not going to be able to eat it, right? But there's an irony is I do this check where it looks like I'm like, this is the final check. It's all gone. But I actually can still have chametz. I can still use chametz and I can still eat chametz till the hour that we're going to learn when it is sometime the next day when that all has to cease. And so I still have chametz in my possession in some way. And so maybe Rabbi Huda is worried that I need to check. Did I really fully get rid of it with that last getting rid of it? Um, and right. And anyone who's ever been balancing a house in which you're like half turned over for Pesach, but half still have people eating chametz, you know about this tension. And even in the morning after you've done B'tika chametz, you still have this area maybe on your like edge of your table where you have chametz there. And Rabbi Huda is concerned about that. He says, check all three of these times. Right. There are some people in the, the Gemara who want to suggest that I read the Vav as an or. I check, oh, I could do it or in the evening or in the in the morning or just as long as I do it um, by the time that we have to get rid of it. That to me seems like a harder read, a more challenging read to the Peshat here. Um, right. Particularly because we just came after that concern that maybe someone dragged Hummus and the Rabbi Huda comes along and says, yes, I think that you have to really recheck afterwards, even though the Chachamim said not. But it's a question of how to read that vav. Then the Chachamim say their view. The Chachamim Omrim, right, the, the larger group, the majority. Lo badak or abasar, ivdok ba'abasar. Lo badak ba'abasar, ivdok batochamoed. Lo badak batochamoed, ivdok lachar hamoed. They have like a staggered choices. 
They say, if you weren't able to check in the evening of the 14th at the beginning of this Mishnah, I suggested the best possible way would be to check in the evening of the 14th. But if you weren't able to do that for some reason, then this text comes along and says, well, then you can do it in the morning. And if you weren't able to do it in the morning, and here it switches from where Rabbi Yehuda had. Rabbi Yehuda had three checks, but he ended the moment we have to eradicate all chametz, right? I'm supposed to get rid of it at a particular time. The Chachamim realized that even though I'm supposed to get rid of it at a particular time, maybe there's still some left or I need to check. They say, I check betocha moed in the midst of the holiday. And if I didn't check in the midst of the holiday, I check after the holiday's over, which is a very, very interesting viewpoint, right? It sounds like that there's value, this, this mitzvah that they've created of the checking stands on its own as a value of looking for chametz even when the holiday is over. Right? It could be that if there was summits during Pesach, we're going to learn this in the second chapter, it will still be, for, and you owned it when you weren't supposed to, it will be forbidden. But it, when I see it first introduced to me here, it sounds really awkward. It's as if there's value to the checking in its own right, even when this holiday is over. Um, and the word mo'ed is a very interesting word here, right? It's the word that's used in the Bible to refer to holidays, Elo Mo'edei Hashem, these are the holidays of the divine. And most people read the shot of this. Most people read the simple read of this, that it's talking about the seven days of Passover. And we're talking about when the seven days are over. Interestingly, Rashi understands Moed to be specifically referring to the 14th, specifically referring to the 14th. And the reason he does this is he thinks that the 14th, he, he, he said he is referencing or alluding to the fact that the 14th stands on its own in some way, right? 14th is the day in which I sacrifice the Paschal sacrifice. And and possibly in the Torah, that's called Pesach or Yom HaPesach. And then from the 15th on for seven days, there's something that the Torah calls Chagamatzot. And possibly those are distinct entities that the holiday basically starts on the 15th. And we see that expressed by the first day being holy and the last day being holy and, and refraining from doing work. But what's very interesting is that the day when the sacrifice was is also perceived possibly as a moed. And um, we see this in Josephus. Josephus refers to this whole holiday as being an eight-day long holiday, right? And he's not talking about people who live out of Israel who keep eight days now because they're that they weren't sure about the calendar date. And he's referring to the idea that the 14th is, is part of the holiday, that that is the moed. And we're going to see here in our next Mishnah that is going to talk about when this moment of destroying the Chametz is, is linked intrinsically to the moment when the Korban Pesach can be sacrificed, the time which the Korban Pesach can be sacrificed. And the rabbis associate that time with midday, with Chatzot, six hours, six daylight hours into the day. And Later on in our tractate, in a chapter we're not going to read, in the fourth chapter, it, there is an assumption that from that moment when the sacrifice can be sacrificed, people refrain from doing melacha. They turn it into a Yom Kodesh. The Mishnah there in the fourth chapter says, and there are even some people that have accustomed to refrain from doing melacha in the beginning of the day, before the hour when the sacrifice is sacrificed. But possibly... Um, this day of the 14th, this alluding to Rashi chooses to define the word Moed because he's alluding to something that he sees in the Torah and that he might see in this chapter. I don't know here specifically in the view of the Chachamim, they mean if you didn't check 
right? <laughs> on the morning of the 14th, you can check the whole afternoon of the 14th. That's what Rashi is saying, right? Um, and then presumably after that into the, the seven days, right? I don't know what the word Moed means, but there is something interesting about what Rashi is pointing out because our chapter is going to be prioritizing that this day of the 14th is unique and that this not eating chametz, we're going to see in the next Mishnah when we talk about the exact time, is, is intrinsically linked to the Korban Pesach. And so the whole reason I'm singling out the day of the 14th is because this is the day in which the sacrifice is going to be sacrificed. And so therefore, the whole reason I'm doing the check starting at night and signifying that the 14th is significant is because this is the day that the sacrifice is going to be sacrificed. And so I'm using this opportunity of the word Moed to introduce a theme that we're going to be seeing coming up in these next Mishnayot. What is unique about this day of the 14th? How does the sacrifice play a role in this prohibition of eating chametz? Okay. To set us up for next time, I want to tell you one more piece of information, and that is about how the rabbis in the Mishnah told time. The rabbis in the Mishnah told time by using the sun, by using a sundial, and how they told time, and whenever they talk about halachic hours, which we're going to have mentioned many times in the next Mishnah, they are talking about sundial hours. And easiest for us to understand is you take the time of sunrise, and you take the time of sunset, and you divide them into 12 equal periods. Right. So in the winter, a clock, a sundial hour might be shorter than a clock hour like we have. Right. Maybe it's about 50 minutes. And in the summer, a, a sundial hour might be longer. A halachic hour might be longer than a clock hour that we have. It could be like an hour and 10 minutes. Right. And these things are called shaud's maniot, these these sundial hours. So if the sun rises at six and sets at six, then then a sundial hour will be the same as a clock hour. And anytime you see in the Mishnah that it's going to say this many sha'ot or that many hours, they're always talking about these sundial hours. And knowing that it's sundial hours is going to be very important to help us understand um, to understand the next Mishnah. And so um, next time we will see a dispute between Rabbi Meir and Rabbi Yehuda about when do I have to cease from eating chametz. And therefore, I'm then required to destroy Hamid. And as I told you, we're going to see that this is going to be linked to the time that the Korban Pesach is offered. And I'll see you next time. Thank you to our Pardes faculty. And a big thanks to you, our learners. Make sure to check back in every day to stay on track with your learning. And visit www.pardes.org.il for more information about other ways to learn with Pardes.